0: a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everybody. It's David Waters from the Gators Breakdown Podcast. Thanks for joining us here Look, go we'll do something new here. Gators Breakdown Plus. What I'll do is I'll take that uh, Periscope and I'll turn it into a podcast, and it'll be called Gators Breakdown Plus. So this is uh, something new. We're going to try it and see how it goes. Uh, you guys requested that I turn it into an audio version, so it'll be uploaded to all, all the platforms: iTunes, YouTube, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. So uh, thanks for checking it out, and go Gators! All right, everybody, I'm Periscope Live. This is Bill Sykes from the Gators Breakdown Podcast. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Uh, Currently on the way back from uh, Northeast Florida from the Jacksonville area, leaving Fleming Island now as I speak, and uh, I'm in the truck with my good friend. uh, We'll just call him Bulldog Ben. Say hi, Ben. Hello, Twitter. And uh, he's a big Bulldog fan. We're actually good friends. We work together uh, up in the Atlanta area, jetted down here for 48 hours to see our families, but we've got to go back. Uh, We're actually we do the same job and we're going to be moving back uh, to Florida permanently finally uh, in the next three weeks here so finally almost a Floridian again and I wanted to give you guys a little um, update uh, since we can't really do a Gators Breakdown with the holidays going on. I had a few little nuggets, things to kind of put in your mind as we move into the new year um, as you follow Gator football. A couple of those actually have to do with the Bulldogs. With him being a Bulldog fan, it's kind of appropriate. He's he's here. I want to talk a bit about um, Todd Grantham and somebody that I think is going to benefit from his scheme and then talk a little bit about recruiting, where it stands for the Gators right now, uh, where the rivals kind of are situated in recruiting and kind of how we should process what we're seeing right now as opposed to what we might see in a month from now. Um, So to kind of start that out, one of the things that uh, we kind of touched on when Grantham was hired on the Gators Breakdown podcast uh, was that he ran a 3-4 defense. And I talked a little bit on that show, I think it was like a month ago, uh, how there's kind of different ways to run a 3-4. And he says, Grantham that is, says that he prefers to run a one-gap scheme with his defensive line versus a two-gap. And a lot of times when we think of three-fours, we typically think of these two-gap schemes where they basically ask their linemen, there are only three of them, uh, You have usually a monstrous defensive tackle, and, or nose guard that is, and then on one side you have a defensive tackle, the other a defensive end. And in that two gap scheme, they're basically on either side of them, gap on either side of them, they're asked to contain the linemen and basically chew up space to keep the blockers occupied at that front line so they're not freed up to go block your linebackers. And that way you keep your linebackers free to run, make the tackle. But in a one gap scheme, which is what Grantham says he prefers, you can kind of get away with smaller defensive linemen uh, in attempt to disrupt the play at the line of scrimmage. So rather than occupy blockers, you try to blow things up there and get to the ball carrier with your alignment at times. And so in those schemes, that's where you could see more sacks and more fumbles and turnovers come from the defensive linemen themselves. Having said that, I kind of look back. Uh, when Grantham had his most successful defenses at Georgia, uh, I think it was the first three years, and then he lost all that defensive uh, talent to the NFL draft. Basically over half his defense got drafted. Uh, in the two thir- 2013 draft, and then it really fell off statistically, which is kind of to be expected. Uh, but maybe the featured guy, uh, not as much statistically, but the guy that a defense hinges on in the 3-4, being that nose tackle, they had a guy named John Jenkins. John Jenkins was a second-team All-SEC uh, selection in 2012, third-round pick in 2013, and I think he's still in the NFL. And he was an, a nose tackle or nose guard uh, that was six foot three. And five eighths an inches, so right under six four. He showed up to the combine, I believe it was at 346 pounds. So he's a guy that, when you have a guy that can, that's that size, you're going to ask him to, to sometimes to play that two gap scheme. Um, and he's a guy that, at that size, is going to be hard to block, hard to move. He's going to command those double teams, and he could really give you success at the point of attack in that, in that three four, because if he has success, like a Terrence Cody did at Alabama. You can disrupt the center and both guards and really, really disrupt the entire offense from that, you know, where that ball is at the point of attack, at the snap, in the center of the, the offensive line's blocking schemes. And so, a guy like that, if he can also penetrate and he can also be disruptive and not just chew up blocks, he can really be a linchpin. And so, while Grantham has said that he likes. That one gap that you can get away with smaller guys, I think really what the ideal situation is to have a guy that size. Now, again, in that one gap scheme, they had a guy named Jeffrey Simmons at Mississippi State last year who was only 6'4", 3'10", you know, more traditional 4'3", defensive tackle size. But he led, helped lead that defense by, uh, into a top 10 finish in total defense, and he was second on the team in tackles for loss last year. So he was showing some of the, that disruption at that smaller size. And so I got to thinking, well, where does this fit with the Gators as they move forward into 2018 and into the spring? And the guy that keeps coming to my mind, the guy I think that all of you, you out there should watch as we move into the spring and the start of the season, that I think could be uh, a centerpiece for this defense, a guy that's one of the most highest, rate, uh, the highest rated defenders they've recruited in the past few years, a guy that fits the mold, uh, and a guy that has shown some explosion as a freshman this year and that was TJ Slayton. TJ Slayton was a guy that was an All-American in the class of 2017 coming out of high school. A lot of people recruited him as an offensive lineman but he stepped in a defensive tackle this year and he was explosive at times. Uh, certainly inconsistent, certainly has a, a lot to learn I think about the position at the collegiate level. He's a guy that needs to grow but he's also a guy that's 6'4, 358 right now. So. He's a guy that has that mass and has that strength, has the athletic ability. uh, I believe to to play that two-gap and and occupy blockers. Somebody he's going to command a double team if he continues to grow his game. If he continues to develop physically, especially now that they've got that program that they're developing. Uh, But he's also a guy that you know he shows enough um, body control to where if he can continue to grow and take that next step, he might give them the uh, ability to play both those kind of schemes, a guy that can disrupt in a one-cap, a guy that can be asked to do different things, and a guy that can occupy blockers if they want to run in two-caps situations. So having said that, he could truly be the centerpiece and the guy that could disrupt offenses at the point of attack, at the snap of the ball, right in the middle, and he's a guy that I think all of you should uh, look forward to watching this year. Uh, Certainly the only guy right offhand that I think that that has that imposing physical stature although they do have some others that are certainly over 300 pounds certainly over six foot three so it's not like they're devoid of uh, of mass you know in the interior defensive line for Grantham schemes I just think that he's the guy that just really jumps off the page at me jumps off the video from watching game tape last year that I think could really dominate and be exactly tailor-made to running this 3-4 that Grantham wants to bring in and if he succeeds it's going to really give them a leg up, especially with them being maybe not as talented as they have been in the past at linebacker, a guy that can free those guys up to run and hit, a guy that can uh, take some pressure off, and they're you know, they going to take multiple blockers and have to be occupied with them. So uh, just that said on that uh, whole thing, that's something I really didn't get to dive into as much on the show when we covered Grantham, but moving forward, keep your eye on TJ Slate. Certainly, we're going to break this down further as we uh, analyze things in the offseason as we approach spring. You know, we'll talk about guys uh, like Antonius Clayton. We'll see if C.C. Jefferson sticks around. But I think they have a chance to really put some good talent on the defensive line, some good Florida-level talent that I think can really help out uh, the defensive performance in the coming year. So that's kind of that for now on, on that subject. Now. Also, uh, Bulldog Ben here, he's pretty happy about where things are going with, with Georgia right now in, in recruiting, wouldn't you say, Ben? Yeah, I would say we're doing pretty <laughs> well for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, Georgia right now has been kind of the talk of the town, you know, nationally and uh, amongst a lot of Gator fans. There's a lot of concern with where they're at and, uh, and recruiting. They have currently got the number one class recruiting very similarly to what Alabama has done the past few years, similarly, similarly to what Urban Meyer did at Florida in his first four or five years. Uh, Number one class got six five stars, only six three stars, and currently a uh, 70% blue chip percentage. Um, Blue chip percentage meaning that the portion or proportion of their class is made up of four and five stars. That's what generally we mean when we say a blue chip recruit. So uh, they're your cream of the crop guys, and right now 70% of their class is made up of them. And the one commentary that keeps coming to my mind that I wanted to make to you guys Everybody's concerned, they're like, oh, Georgia's putting something together like Alabama. Well, we don't know that yet. And maybe they are, maybe they're not. And first of all, I think I say congratulations to them. I think they have been a sleeping giant. I think Rick was really underutilizing what he had. Uh, there was a lot of talk. I even had some people send some stuff to me a few years ago about NFL strength and conditioning people really not liking Bulldog recruits all that much because they felt they were underdeveloped physically, uh, as talented as they were. As much as they still put good talent into the league, um, they really just were not what they should have been for the past 10 or 15 years, you know? And finally they've broken through it, it seems. Um, they're riding into the playoffs. Maybe have a chance to win the national championship this year, and maybe they'll, they'll put something together under Kirby Smart where they win more than one. But I mean, having said that, I think Gator fans are really being distracted by that a little bit. is putting too much importance on it right now. Um, because let's face it, guys, any one team is not Florida's problem right now. Florida has been Florida's problem right now. They have underutilized what they have. They haven't had, obviously, a good strength and conditioning program. The coaches they've hired have not been able to get the offense going. The quarterback recruiting has struggled. Um, they've just had comprehensive problems, especially under Jim McElroy in the past few years. And to be honest, guys, it's just not the issue right now. When we get to the point where Florida is 11-1 and and Georgia's beating them and ruining their dreams every year, then maybe we can worry about that. But. At this point, it just needs to be on getting his offense fixed. And I think that, you know, and not to say that every Florida fan is um, over-focused on that, because I think that we, a lot of most of us, uh, might even all of us, are really excited about what we see from Mullen and what he's doing with the quarterback position and the coaching staff. And there's some really good steps taking place there to show progress. And so I really think you just can't, You can't worry about any one team, what they're doing, and and be like, oh, they're going to be unbeatable. Well, maybe they get really good, but I would also remind you guys that back in the 90s, Florida State and Miami were pretty darn good, you know, and Sperger was still putting together some of Florida's best all-time moments, and, you know, it gets the the highest possible levels of competition from his rivals. And so I don't think it's a zero-sum game where if you see a great team Emerge, or great program emerge and they're putting together recruiting class, after recruiting class, or, recruiting class, or they, even if they win a couple of national titles, for one thing, those things are short-lived. All of them, even what Alabama's done, it, it might be at the longest of the modern era, and it's, it's not like they've won every year. But also, I believe that Florida can be exactly what they want to be, no matter what Georgia does, no matter what Florida State does, no matter what Alabama does. It just takes taking care of your own business you've got to make the right hires you've got to invest in your program you've got to recruit well and you've got to hire good assistants that are going to get those players that you bring into the program ready to play and i I believe that florida can be just as good as they have ever been and achieve just as good a success as they've ever been no matter what georgia does and we'll see and and i you know to to my bulldog friends out there i I keep telling them hey i'm happy for you I, i mean i don't want to see georgia win i'd rather florida win you know but um I just I just don't think of it in terms of because they're doing this Florida can't I just don't see it that way at all and so as far as that goes what I'm looking for Florida is Florida to just continue to make those steps continue to improve to get the program headed in the right direction and just continue to seek that upward mobility that you know as a program trajectory and I think we're seeing that in the initial steps anyway um, but along those lines, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of where things sit right now. Florida State has added a, a five-star recruit in their class. Uh, they're currently sitting with a 70% blue-chip percentage, just like Georgia's, even though they're only ranked 34th in the country, and it's because they've only got 10 recruits. Georgia's just about done. They've got 24 players signed. Florida's got 15, and Florida State's got 10. So you're going to see Florida State rise in the rankings. And I know it's going to sound like I'm being negative kind of doomsday, but guys, don't underestimate Willie Taggart. That's one of the things I told you when we were considering him as fans on the on the podcast as a potential hire for Florida he's gonna recruit well and he was really setting in a scenario to to hit the ground running and to take off immediately he had four guys committed from the state of Florida but he had them committed to Oregon and let's be honest here if you you develop a good enough relationship with the coach to follow him out to Oregon across the country to place where the Sun doesn't even shine from from the Florida area you're probably going to stay home and play for him if he gets a job at one of the big three and that's exactly what happened he got the job at florida state and i think you're going to see at least two or three of those guys if not all four following him out there and so that's going to be a big boost to his class when you consider that um you know that's about 20 percent of your class is those four guys and if you can add that and he's got another five star coming in would not shock me at all if they were to rise and perhaps even pass florida in the rankings in year one but again, recruiting was never the the issue with Willie Taggart. He's going to have to prove that he can have, for one thing, a top 70 passing offense, which he has never done as a head coach. He's going to have to prove that he can get things going probably faster than he has in the past, that he can overcome Florida State's problem, problems that they've got now and be the X's and O's coach, be the CEO, and the guy that can really take them to the top. He still only had truly one big season. So well, I'm not trying to demean what he's accomplished. I think he's a good good candidate and a good coach. I fully understand why Florida didn't hire him. I think it was probably the right move, and he's got a lot to prove. So, takeaways from this, Georgia's going to probably finish with the number one or number two class. Florida State may finish higher, but Florida needs to worry about Florida. Florida has got to make boss moves. They've got to make big time moves as a program, and they got to handle their business. And if they do that, Florida could be exactly where they want to be. Um, I mentioned that UGA and FSU have 70% blue chip percentages. That's probably going to stay about the same for Georgia since they're almost done. Florida State's is extremely high. 70% is almost Alabama high. Um, But I don't think Florida State's is going to stay there, even though they're probably going to have a really good class. Florida's is currently at 53%. I'd like to see it a little higher when when Mullen gets gro- going into his regime and then get into his bump class, but that's very respectable. They've currently got eight four stars. They got seven three stars, and it's really going to depend for Florida on how they finish this class. And it's a transition class. It's not always it a transition class, but it's a transition or first year class when they didn't have the advantage of the coach bringing his four four star players from the school he was at. Um, because Mississippi State, it's it's just a different animal. It's a different animal. It's a different scenario. Um, and they didn't have the Floridians that they were highly ranked that they were bringing in there. So to that end, Florida can, can grow. I think they can, might even sneak into the third-best class in the SEC this year, which would be tremendous the first time in several years. Uh, but if they're going to do that, if they're really going to have a successful class, they've already taken care of the number one need, and that was quarterback by bringing in Emory Jones. That was tremendous. That was a home run. Uh, the late-breaking news of Florida State getting involved, it did wonders for the perception of that. It made it made Mullen look like he scored a win over Taggart, um, even though he had the advantages. And he very li- viably did score a win over Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. And that's huge, it was tremendous. So they've got that that cornerstone of the class locked down. The, the one need they had to meet, they needed to continue to meet year after year, they did that. Now, as they move forward, while a lot of the uh, attention has been on the wide receivers, and yes, I'd like to see them add uh, a Jacob Copeland or another kind of X-factor wide receiver to the class. And I believe they've got a very good chance to do that. I think the ultimate success for this next month of recruiting as we go into that final national signing day in the first Wednesday of February uh, is going to be really what they do in the trenches, and particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, on the offensive line, They've added a pair of very good Jucos, but they really need to, to lock down one or two of these alpha dogs. They need to get a, a Richard Garage sign, who He's he's currently committed to Florida, but he didn't sign. And so we know until the ink is dry, it's not over. So getting Garage, William Barnes out of Apopka. Uh, and maybe if they bring him in, uh, his teammate Ed Modellus might want to come along. Uh, then you've got five-star Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, uh, who's a guy that could end up in the class. Um uh, he wasn't really a Florida lean before the coaching change, that, not really from what I could tell. Uh, but maybe this changes his mind and they get back involved with him. And then I believe it's Christian Meadows with the Florida State commit that is showing from Florida some attention. It's a four-star. Um, if they can get two of those guys, uh, the offensive line classes for a transition class, you're going to have to look at that. I think They did a tremendous job. And really, at that point, they also have added that X-Factor wide receiver. The offensive class as a whole, that's Florida level, almost in every position. They have have the running backs, they got the quarterback, they got the tight ends. So if they can finish strong at offensive line and wide receiver, it's gonna be awesome. But then they're gonna to have to turn around also and show the defensive side of the ball some love because right now it's just not looking great. Uh, they've got to, to get involved here. And I think it, it probably hurt them the last couple of weeks in these first couple of weeks of the Mullen regime, they really don't have that defensive staff in place yet other than uh, the one DB coach. Uh, they really need to get involved in flips and guys, turn the tide. You've got Malcolm Lamar, who's one of those uh, Oregon commits from Florida that committed to Willie Taggart. So you've got to consider him uh, a Florida State likely guy right now. Uh, or Andrew Chatfield, who's been leaning heavily towards Miami. I don't think he signed yet. Uh, he'd be more of your rush-in, maybe even outside linebacker in, in Grantham scheme. Uh, a guy named and Gerald, who confirmed to me on Twitter, uh, if you didn't see that uh, the other day, that he's going to visit, uh, I think the last week of the, the cycle, as we go into February, and he's a Juco defensive lineman that I think is over 250 260 coming in. So he'd be a guy that maybe not a rush-in outside linebacker, but maybe that 3-4 in, 3-4 tackle that would play next to the nose tackle and really give them some good mass on that defensive line. And being a Juco, he's a guy they might be able to expect immediate snaps from. Um, also out there uh Nesta Silvera, who I don't think signed with Miami. is a guy that had flirted with Miami quite a bit. Maybe they can get involved with him. Or Pointus Miller, who's thought to be uh, an, he's an Auburn commit, but I don't think he signed. Um, and he had shown Florida some attention earlier in the cycle. So they've got to get a couple of those guys. And maybe not these guys, but if they can get a Dorian Gerald and then a uh, Nesta Silvera or something like that, they need some defensive blue chips in the class. It's got to happen if they're really going to be where they want to be with this class. That said, I won't call the class a failure if they don't do that. Uh, you kind of get a pass for this first one. The main thing you look for, what we don't want to see, is what what um, happened under Jim McElwain. We don't want to see him taking bad takes. The three three stars are okay, but you got to take the right three stars. You don't want to just say, "Well, this guy's an easy take." And certainly not all of them were in that first class. But there was some there was some guys they probably shouldn't take. It wasted scholarships, and set them back. So. We need to see quality come in on the defensive side of the ball. And then the other thing I'd like to see as we move forward, especially on defense, I'd like to see him land a five-star. We haven't seen that since 2015 when uh, C.C. Jefferson and Martez Ivey came in and and McIlwain's initial class. And those were guys that were put on the tee for him. They wanted to be Gators. One was from Glen St. Mary, one was from Apopka. I think I could have landed them, And so I'd really like to see that ice broken. Florida is a school that should be able to land five stars every single class, even one or two. And if Mullen can go out and break that barrier now, let's say he goes out, whether it be Nicholas petit uh, on offense, at, at, off the tackle, or maybe he goes out on defense and, and pulls the upset, uh, whether it be a Patser Tate, whether it be a Tyson Campbell, somebody like that. I think that if you land a couple of linemen on either side of the ball, if you could land a five-star and you've already got your quarterback i think people are going to look at that class and say oh wait a minute dan mullen's doing something it doesn't have to be a top five class guys this is his first class a short time but that would start to show real momentum change just like the quarterback uh, emory jones has already done for mullen and it would continue that momentum into the offseason uh, so that that's what i'm looking for and that's what i would expect you guys to look for and uh, if you really want to kind of get a good barometer of where things are at and there's you know obviously some nuance to that and we'll we'll break that down in full and try to be very factual about it on the show and I'll I'll be truthful with you guys if I'm not seeing it um, if I see a problem I'm gonna call it out Uh, but at the same time don't have to have as good a class as Georgia this year to really call this a success and think Gator football is heading in the right direction now uh, just to kind of close out there as we move forward in this week I really believe you could see some coaches hired Uh, maybe for Florida but certainly around the country as soon as Christmas is over here um, the recruiting phase is gonna kick into high gear and you've only got a small percentage this is unlike any other year because they had this early signing day small percentage of the players are left unsigned out there let's say I'm gonna throw a round number out there and this is kind of a guess let's say there's a third of them left that are unsigned well that means you've got all these coaching staffs that can dedicate 100% 100% of their staff's attention to 33% of their recruits. Um, with that being the case, these guys are going to get bombarded. These recruits, I kind of feel sorry for them. They're going to get harassed every day. Um, and you're going to see a lot of flips. You're going to see a lot of surprises. Um, it's just going to get crazy. And to make that happen, if Florida wants to compete with that, they're going to have to hire the rest of their staff pretty quickly. And I think Mullen's already said he wants his staff ready to go. Uh, so I certainly believe... You're going to see most of these hires made in the next couple of weeks, and you know, you're know you going to see most of these happen on defense because they got the offensive staff together. I'm really hoping to see uh, at least one more heavy hitter recruiter, uh, whether it be on the defensive line, or maybe they have, feel like they've already got a good tech, technician coach back in the secondary, and they want to split the duties up between safeties and corners like they did in Mississippi State. Uh, regardless. Expect to see some hires, wouldn't shock me at all if we saw a couple of them this week for Florida, and then recruiting is gonna go crazy. So this is gonna be a fun month to see what happens. I have, based on what we've seen from Mullen so far, I expect nothing less than, than him to waltz into every living room he can get in. I don't think he's gonna care where somebody's committed or what uh, what the news is about a recruit. He's gonna try to make it happen. He's gonna fight the battles that McIlwain wasn't willing to fight the last three years. And so you're gonna see him miss some guys. But the main thing is he's willing to toe the line, and hopefully, like I said, we see him walk away with some guys in the trenches. We see him walk away with a good wide receiver, and we see him hopefully land a five-star player. And chances are they're going to have some mixed success on that. And then hopefully in year two is when they start to break down the real barriers. But that's kind of all I got for now, guys. Um, we're on the road. Uh, like I said, heading back to Atlanta. We've got our emergency road bacon here, so if we got our uh, our cokes life is good heading out i-10 right now heading over to 75 i hope all of you um had a very merry christmas and hopefully are still having one now uh, we've got to get back to work tomorrow before we kind of wrap up this whole georgia adventure and uh, that's kind of all i got for now oh and thank you uh, there was a, a poll put out uh that I, I feel obligated to say this and i don't mean to like self promote but uh you guys voted me the number one gator media member uh on twitter thank you so much for the support um Thank you all for how you've embraced uh, us. And I I know I speak for Will and Dave, um, that we just are floored by the the kindness you guys have shown us and support for our our Gators Breakdown podcast this year. And uh, hopefully moving forward into the new year, we'll be able to continue doing what we're doing, but continue to get better. And um, really looking forward to interacting with you, making more friends on Twitter uh, amongst the Gator Nation. And the rival fans have been really cool too. So uh, hoping to be at the spring game. I'm gonna, uh, I've already taken a week of vacation. I've set aside for the Kentucky game. And hopefully we we'll be more games in the fall. Um, it's going to be awesome, guys. Oh, and I think, i got to confirm with Dave, but I think we're going to do a QA and a show, uh, question and answers, on the next Gator Breakdown, or at least in the next couple of shows as we move into the offseason and so we can dialogue with you guys some more. But that's it for me for now. And uh, you want to say goodbye, uh, Bulldog Ben? Goodbye. So, <laughs> all right, we're going to head on up to Atlanta. I hope you guys have a great holiday, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.